Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, El Capitan is in. We know that Derek Jeter will certainly be among the players who are elected to baseball's Hall of Fame tonight, but will he be unanimous? And who will join the Yankees shortstop into Cooperstown? Is this the year that players from the steroid era, Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens, get their call from the Hall? And what will be the fallout from other Major League players to the Astros' cheating scandal? Will some pitchers take matters into their own arms? We've got all that and more to discuss with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we uh, get to Mark and talk some baseball here, Hall of Fame, and of course, the big cheating scandal in Major League Baseball. Just real quickly, um, you know, the, the NFL has moved on now to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, where most of the front office and a lot of the head coaches and assistant coaches are this week looking at, um, you know, talent that's coming into the draft. And it's a, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a neat event. We're not there, at least the Tampa Bay Times is not there uh, on this trip. But uh, it's one of those where there's, you know, uh, kind of the first gathering of new staffs and, and scouting departments and, of course, the Bucks, uh, the second year under Bruce Arians. But there's always news and, and rumors, right, that tumble out of there. And this time of year, it's mostly rumors because you have a lot of free agents, and that means quarterbacks. And if you're talking about free agent quarterbacks, you're talking about the Bucks, and you're talking about Jameis Winston. And there was a report uh, that sort of surfaced, uh, I guess, a little bit on Monday that uh, – and, and this is the buzz. You know, when you hear things like there's a lot of chatter, there's a lot of buzz, what it means is it's just unsubstantiated stuff that people are talking about. But at any rate, um, Philip Rivers, who we know uh, has moved his family uh, to Florida from San Diego. Of course, he's a free agent. There's been no hint that the Chargers will offer him. Or Actually, from he lives in San Diego. He was playing for the L.A. Chargers, but he still moved to Florida. I think it's in the Destin area. I'm not sure. Um, but he has moved this way, which is uh, closer to his home, I guess. And uh, him and his wife, I think, uh, had a place in Alabama. At any rate, because of that and because the Bucks might be in the market for a quarterback, I think a lot of people in Mobile are getting one and one and getting two with Phillip Rivers. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the Bucks' thoughts are about him. I will tell you that um, – I believe that the Bucks have not made a decision on Jameis Winston as a staff just yet. Obviously, they've had discussions, um, you know, very preliminary at this point, and they have time, right? I mean, they've not talked to his agent, for example, um, Joel Siegel, that I'm aware of. When I when I say, you know, Jameis Winston's agent, I mean, and you know, they're still sort of in the evaluation process. I mean, there's obviously going to be a monetary component to this. If you franchise him, are you going to use that tag? There's also, you know, the matter of, you know, are you going to need it for Shaq Barrett? What's that negotiation at at this point? But Philip Rivers, you know, is, I think he's, what, 38 years old. And, um, you know, the, the, the rumor is that, and I believe this is true uh, because it just makes good sense, 
The Bucks are going to draft a quarterback somewhere in this draft. I think they would be derelict of their duties if they didn't, regardless of whether Jameis is back on a one-year deal or a multi-year deal. You need young quarterbacks sort of in the system that are developing. Nothing against Ryan Griffin, who still is under contract, but you need to start renewing that resource, right? It's the most important position on the field. So the rumor out of Mobile is, is that they have some interest in Jacob Eason, who's a quarterback out of Washington. Now, the Bucks own the number 14 overall pick. That would be probably a little too soon for him. Um, but there is a chance that Eason, who, who came out, uh, you know, may be you know, there when the Bucks pick uh, 45th in the second round. So, um, you know, that, that's sort of what the speculation is in Mobile, at least uh, according to one report or rumor, if you will, um, from the NFL Network. Um, but that's, that's sort of what you're going to hear. And I think you'll hear probably before it's over almost every quarterback. The weird thing about Rivers is he's Jameis 2.0. I mean, you know, in terms of ball security, this is a guy that threw the next most interceptions, uh, which was 20 in 2019. He had 23 touchdowns. And, um, you know, his quarterback rating slipped to 48.9, which was the second lowest of his career. Jameis Winston's was 57.1. So um, not much difference there other than age. And, of course, it's been a while since Phillip Rivers has gotten his Chargers team. Now, they had a lot of injuries. They were 12-4 and four just in 2018, but last year slipped to 5-11 and 11 and did not win a game in the AFC West. So uh, I don't know that old man Rivers is going to show up in Tampa Bay, but I do know there's a lot of talk, according to NFL Network, about him in Mobile. So we'll see where that leads to, if anything. But I still think we're probably a week or two away before they really start cutting it up over there at One Buck Place as a staff. And then, of course, at some point you're going to have to involve ownership in what they want to do, whether they're um, leery about moving on from Jameis and having him go somewhere and win a Super Bowl, or uh, are they going to leave it up to B.A. if that's what he chooses to do and trust that uh, he'll find the right quarterback to come in here and win. And then as a football team with 19 free agents, they'll be able to use that money more wisely. So... A little bit of Bucks news, but uh, I th- I'm sure we'll, before it's over, I will predict that they will be linked to every free agent quarterback, <laughs> uh, it, not excluding Tom Brady before this thing is, is said and done. So, uh, but uh, that's, that's your Bucks news for the day. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Hall of Fame voting results in Major League Baseball will be announced tonight at 6 p.m., and that brings us to uh, Mark Topkin, who joins us now. Mark, as you wrote in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, the only thing we're sure of probably is Derek Jeter is going to be a Hall of Fame uh, baseball player in the first ballot. Uh, There is a question, though, if if this is really a consideration as to whether um, he will be unanimous like Mariano Rivera was last year. But let's start there uh, with Derek Jeter and and just – that question, whether you think that, um, that he would be unanimous. I, I mean, I almost, I don't know if I care to be honest, right. if he's like unanimous or not. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are hung up on it. The fact that Mariano Rivera was, and he's a Yankee and it just happened last year. So it's almost mm-hmm. like the pressure's on Jeter to, to also be unanimous. And obviously that's something he can't control. So 
I, I don't know. I, I think that well, I, I like the fact that uh, the voters or the members of the Baseball Writers Association have become relatively transparent. You, A lot of people release their ballots. I mean, as of Monday night, almost half of the expected total had been released. People just, you know, like like I did, putting, you know, writing a story sure. about it on our website, putting it out there. Some people just release their ballots. There's a guy who's kind of made a Twitter name for himself compiling them, but about half of them were up as of Monday night. And uh, at that point, everybody who'd voted had voted for Jeter. But if you weren't going to vote for Jeter, unless you were doing it for attention, you probably weren't going to release your ballot ahead of time. So, uh, and then they don't get officially released by the baseball writers for 14 days after, and you can elect to not have it released. So it's possible mm-hmm. we'll never know. I mean, is he worthy of first ballot election? Absolutely. Is he worthy of unanimous? Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I, doesn't, I just don't hold that in some great regard. I know there are people who turned in ballots with only Jeter on them because they wanted to, you know, emphasize how he deserved to go in alone or whatever. It's just, a, it's not, a, I don't think you game your vote. You don't, you don't game, you don't, I mean, in that case, you could argue, don't vote for Jeter because you know he's going to make it, you know, vote for, use your ballot for somebody else. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be, I, I do think he will have a very good chance to be unanimous, but I just don't know that it matters. I don't think it matters all that much either, except maybe to some New York Yankee fans. But if there were uh, a knock at all on his game, um, what would it be? Would it be? Would it have been his defense? I mean, obviously the guy was clutch and played in a lot of World Series and Gold Gloves and all those things. But um, what what would be a knock if there was one on Jeter? Sure, I mean it would be the defense, and and you know, and, and John Romano laid it out really well in our Tampa Bay Times, our paper last Sunday. You know, the knock isn't that he made a lot of errors, and he, he did make mm-hmm. a lot of very memorable plays. I mean, there's basically a whole pirouette move on that ball hit deep and behind, you know, the hole between third and short, the jump throw. It's like a pirouette move. It's kind of the Derek Jeter mm-hmm. move and crashing into the stands behind third base and cutting up his face and catching the foul ball and the flip play in the playoffs against Oakland. I mean, he's done a ton of great stuff defensively, but his range was somewhat limited, and the new era of analytics have shown that. Uh, there was even, you know, some jokes that they've already built a statue to him. You just had to watch him play. You didn't know it at the time. And they're going to rename uh, one of the roads outside Yankee Stadium, Jeter Street, uh, sometime next season. And you're not going to be able to go left on it in honor of him. I mean, there's all kinds of jokes being made about this. But that's the big knock. It's just that his defensive range was limited. And, you know, he didn't have a ton of power, obviously. Uh, and did a lot of other things to help the team win for many years. But, you know, lack of power and lack of defensive range are the two things if you wanted to you know, kind of pick apart his game a little bit. Mark, it's a, as we know, it's a pretty high threshold to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame you need, what, like 75% uh, of those ballots, and there are some guys um, that are very close to that, at least in some of the sample balloting. But uh, we've talked to you about this. I want to get your thoughts on it once again because I think it's getting closer. If not, maybe this is the year. Uh, you've looked at the PED situation uh, maybe a little different than some. There obviously are some that would never vote for a player suspected of using uh, steroids or PEDs. Um, and then and then there are the exceptions, of course. When you look at guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, how close are they to getting over that threshold? And uh, on your ballot, of course, explain again uh, why you have both those guys getting through. Yeah, I mean, they are getting closer, Rick, and it's going to be curious, you know, both tonight to see what happens. They were both trending around 70%, you know, re- referencing back to that uh, the pre-release ballots. But again, they drop about 12%, 10 to 12% from what gets re- announced publicly till the final vote over the last couple of years. So only being at 70, 71% as of Monday night is not going to cut it if they drop uh, again going into Tuesday with the people who aren't putting their ballots out there. 
I mean, look, I, I, I'm not professing in any way to be right about this. And then I, I kind of use the same phrase every year for those who read this. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, I've got a very squiggly line on this. But mm-hmm. my, my, my preference, my opinion, my take, which, again, it feels for everyone in the world can have their own. I just happen to be a guy who's one of the ballots, is that I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know how much of what Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds did was because of steroids and what they did was because of natural talent and when that when the, the pendulum swung and when it went from being natural to being artificial. I do know that neither one of them failed a test. So they did not do they did not technically do what was wrong under major league baseball rules at the time. They did not fail a test like Manny Ramirez. They didn't get caught with a cork bat like Sammy Sosa. They didn't violate the rules that were in place at the time. And I also don't know how many other people that already are in the hall were users and got in because they weren't uh, as publicly suspected or connected to it as those guys were. But I do know that Barry Bonds is the home run king of baseball, and I do know that Roger Clemens won more Cy Young Awards than anybody else, seven, which are voted by the baseball writers, as were the seven Mm -hmm. MVP awards that Barry Bonds has won. So these guys have gotten votes from the baseball writers before, and I, I don't, I just, you know, take, you, you've got young kids and then, you know, take your kids, kids, take that example. You know, you're going to go to the Hall of Fame and the guys who were two of the absolute best from this era aren't going to be in there. I mean, I think in a way you'll put them in and let the Hall figure it out. You know, do they want to put an asterisk? Do they want to put an explainer? Do they want to put the guys from this era in a separate part of the, the wing, a separate wing and says there was a period of, PED use that cast a shadow over players' performances. I don't care how you want to spell it out, but I don't think you can have a Hall of Fame without those guys in it. No, I, I would agree with you, especially on those two. Um, there are others, though, that uh, might have had some PED uh, you know, connected to them, whether or not it was proven in positive tests. One of those guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or not, I think you're voting for, which is Gary Sheffield, right? Yeah, and, and, and that's also a weird case because Sheffield didn't also didn't fail a test. He also wasn't penalized by Major League Baseball. He admitted mm-hmm. using the famous uh, the cream and the clear, these two mm-hmm. ointments that he got when he was working out with Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds' trainers. And I guess I don't remember how it came out, but someone you know found out what these things were, and they were PED-type ointments. They weren't pills, and... Sheffield later said, you know, he didn't know. He was kind of, you know, tricked into using them. Nobody told him what they were. I don't know if that was true or not. But, yeah, I, again, it's it's a squiggly line, but he still falls on the right side for me. He wasn't caught. He didn't violate the rules that were in place. Now, Marini Ramirez did. In my mind, Sammy Sosa did. The cork bat more so than the actual failed test because his test was part of that sampling test that wasn't official it was like a pre-test whatever i mean and this isn't going away david ortiz is coming on the ballot what are you going to do with him he didn't technically fail a test but he was widely associated he failed the same pre-test thing that sosa did um alex rodriguez is going to come on the ballot he admitted use i mean there, there's going to be this is not going away but i do think that you know a couple of people that have gone in piazza went in with some suspicion never any direct connection he went in and I do think if Bonds and Clemens go in, that will lessen the stigma here. And, and maybe you were going here next, but let me just throw this out now. What happens when some guys from the Houston Astros become eligible mm, for the Hall of Fame? Mm, I mean, and, and, and even even does that does what happened now? I mean, this this year's voting was done by December thirty first, so we didn't know as much as we do now. But 
even now, does this change your view on guys who may or may not have used PEDs when you find out there's guys who are getting signs related to them, you know, by banging the drum slowly? Mm-hmm. No, I, I will definitely talk about the scandal with the Houston Astros, the Red Sox, of course, and then uh, uh, how it touched the Mets as well in just a minute. I, I agree with all of that. Uh, I want to talk about the players in particular. Uh, getting just to complete your Hall of Fame ballot, Larry Walker is a guy I think you voted for uh, in the past. I guess if there was one thing uh, that had hung over his head a little bit was just some of his hitting success, of course, was at Coors Field. Um, but uh, this is a guy that's been on a lot of ballots. He has a good chance this year, right? He does. And, and the thing about Larry Walker, and, and, and I, you know, one of these people, I'm not going to say I learned about his career in the last couple of years, but in my mind, he was one of those guys that was pretty good. And, and you know, in a mm-hmm. Hall of Pretty Good, he'd make it. And in a Hall of Fame, he probably wouldn't. But then as, you know, mm-hmm. we got past this ballot, because, I mean, 20, the, the baseball writers have elected 20 guys in the last six years. That's the most in any six-year wow. period. And there were, you know, your ballot was jammed. You had your 10 and then three or four others you wish you could vote for. And that's finally, you know, lightened mm-hmm. up a little bit. I only voted for seven this year. and But it allowed me last year to relook kind of at Larry Walker and look at some of the new statistical ways of, of framing his career, OPS Plus, obviously, which has been around for a while, but that gives you, uh, a sense kind of ballpark neutral to what a guy could do. And he, that, you know, puts him in a favorable light and, you know, you break out obviously what he did at course field and he's a first ballot hall of famer, if you only counted that, but that was only 31% of his plate appearances were there. That's another thing. It's not like a guy that played his whole career in Colorado and he's 50, 50 right. on playing there and not only 31%. And he was a very good all around player. I mean, he was hurt. That was his thing. He only played more than a hundred and I think 42 games, two or three times. But remember Larry Walker, he was a big guy. He was going to be a hockey goalie, but he was an athlete. He could run down balls. He could steal bases. He had a really good arm. I mean, this was a guy who was an all around player. And I think that's why and someone made this point, and I wish I could remember who, and I would love to give them credit for it, but just in doing my research just, you know, for the ballot and then kind of revisiting it and writing my column for the Times, you know, we talk about the character clause about some guys in a negative way. Larry Walker, and this it actually came from Shai Davidi from the Toronto area media, is, is like the, the hero for all Canadian baseball players. He is, you know, their guy. That's the guy they all want to mm-hmm. grow up and be. They all want to be Larry Walker. And then that should say something in a character clause in a positive way. No, absolutely, it should. And and uh, uh, I I don't you know I didn't realize that Walker had only that much percentage of at bats at Coors Field. You hear that so much that you just assume that that's where most of his success came. So um, I would agree with you there. One guy that's on your ballot uh, that you had not voted for in the past, Mark, is is Scott Rowland. Tell me why he uh, got your vote this time. Yeah, it was, and I, I mean, I can't say I'm like leading the the chorus here for Scott Rowland, but I'm also not a person who you know gives out gratuitous votes. And uh, I even made a reference in my column to you know, I Carlos Pena would have been a cool guy to vote for just so he could say he got a vote, but I don't, I don't think he give the votes out like like Gasparilla beats or anything. And um, <laughs> but Scott Rowland was a guy that I, I just you know kind of again revisited this year. I had some room on the ballot, and you know, again, injuries factored in a little bit, but. The, the job he did, the numbers he put up, the, the grittiness with which he played, the leadership he provided on the teams he was on, 
Uh, I think you add that all together, and you you have a guy who's who's right there. I, I, like I said, I can't, you know, I couldn't argue with you vehemently that he has to be in or the Hall of Fame's a sham or anything like that. But but he's a guy that deserves to be in there. It's it's really close, but I, I think he does. The guy that gets overlooked, and I, I like the fact that you're uh, going all in on on the closer. But Billy Wagner's numbers are ridiculous when you compare him to guys that are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, <laughs> twelve strikeouts per nine innings per nine and a whip. innings. Well, right. So that's yeah. that's you know, batter in a third. What? That's almost four outs a game. You know, in theory, mm. and four outs an inning. I mean, it, it just like, and then take his whip. Walks and hits per innings pitch of less than one. So he has averaged mm. well more than a strikeout an inning and well less than a base runner an inning. In high-pressure situations, this is a guy who's pitching the eighth and ninth innings. Mm. So I, I don't know. Like I said, I, 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 I've been very, you know, I stand accused, admitted guilty of being pro-closer. I voted for Hoffman. I voted for Lee Smith. They're both guys have finally gotten in. Uh, obviously, Mariano was going to get in, and, and I think Billy Wagner should be in there, too. Well, just to complete your ballad, you, of course, had, uh, as we mentioned, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Derek Jeter at the top. We mentioned uh, Larry Walker, Gary Sheffield, Kurt Schilling, Scott Rowland. And then I would suppose that Manny, being Manny, Manny was probably in that category for you, I would I would think, as Bonds and, and, and those guys, even though there was a, a link to um, to performance-enhancing drugs, one of the best pure hitters that, that I've ever seen, I'm sure you too. Manny Ramirez, no doubt. I mean, maybe the best right-handed hitter of, of this generation of players, and it's mm-hmm. just a shame, and we we saw part of it here. I mean, his suspension here when he signed with the Tampa Bay Rays, he played, what, nine games for him uh, mm-hmm. in 2011, I think it was, and then he, quote-unquote, retired, which then came out that he was retiring because he was suspended for the second time, and, you know, he did fail tests. He failed tests mm-hmm. at a time when it was illegal to take performance-enhancing drugs, Manny Ramirez did, and he was caught twice. So that's that's that squiggly line. I go back to it, Rick, and I know it sounds repetitive, but I he to me he's on the other side of that, and I can't vote for mm-hmm. him. And you know, our, our good friend, we were talking about John Romano earlier. John Romano did. I just quoted voted you. Yeah, for him. Actually, yeah, yeah, he yeah, voted John for did. Schilling and for Manny Ramirez, and mm-hmm. I didn't vote for either one of those guys. And it's not a Boston thing. Somebody brought that up today on Twitter. It's not a Boston thing. It's it's two different mm-hmm. things in this case, but. Manny Ramirez, to me, is just a guy that I, I can't vote for because he knowingly, willingly, and, and you know, aware of what the rules were, and he violated them anyway. So if you had to handicap the class and not just the ones that you, you picked, uh, who do you think has the best chance of some of the guys we've talked about? Or maybe one I mean, I, it, it could. I mean, it really just could be uh, Jeter and Larry Walker. And it would be, mm-hmm. you know, like to the, one of the smaller classes in modern, you know, time here because we've been, we've been putting a lot of guys in. But, I mean, Jeter's the only sure bet. It wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being just him. I mean, Ted Simmons was obviously voted in uh, by the Veterans Committee uh, earlier uh, this year, actually technically last year at the winter meetings. But it may just be Jeter. It may be Larry Walker. It would be big news. It would, it would upstage Jeter even being unanimous if Bonds right. or Clemens got in. I mean, by far, that would be a huge story and, and uh, kind of a, a shift in the title currents here on, on first of all, if one gets in, then the other one's going to get in too and, and where this is going to head. Yeah, no, that would upstage the captain, no doubt about that. Well, we'll find out at 6 o'clock tonight as to uh, who is in the pro, the pro baseball, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. 
not to be confused with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is uh, coming down the road as well. Um, all right, let's talk about the big story that uh, happened while you were on your uh, vacation. Not that uh, you didn't notice this, but, boy, the Houston Astros. A few managers have been fired. One general manager, $5 million fine to the Astros. A um, couple of draft picks for, forfeited in the, next, in the last in the next two years. Mark, I, I might be in the minority here. Uh, I know Major League Baseball had to get information from players, and maybe that's why they got some immunity. Um, how do you feel about the punishment first and foremost? Do you think baseball went far enough? I don't. And, and I, at first I thought I, I didn't think they would, and then when it first came out I was like, well, okay, this is pretty severe. But then you start breaking it down and start analyzing it, and, and what real impact does this have on the Houston Astros in the context mm-hmm. of the owner was basically totally given, like, free uh, – he was absolved. I mean, he did nothing sure. wrong. He was stunned to hear this. So, so first of all, mm-hmm. there's your message. Leadership is not tarnished by this. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they banned the GM and the manager. Okay, the manager is a really good guy. He's a great quote. He's great for the media to deal with. He's a good manager. But in this day and age, no manager is – you know, there's no Lear DeRoches out there. There's no Casey Stengels. I mean – Joe Madden's as close as you have to a guy who's kind of a legendary guy. And, you know, look, he's on his, thir- on his third team in the last seven years. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is no, like, untouchable manager type anymore. And then this owner, who is absolved of anything, fires them. So he now gets to save money paying them to pay his $5 million fine, how conveniently. And he can go out and hire <laughs> a new manager. And he can go out and hire whoever he wants to be a GM. And for all we know, he's going to bring in a couple guys from other teams and pick their brains And at a time of year when now you're messing with other organizations. I mean, to this point, the identified candidates, you know, as of uh, as we go into here Tuesday, have been guys who are not currently working somewhere else. Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, Eduardo Perez is with ESPN. And Will uh, Venable with the Cubs as a coach is the first name that came up of a guy who was working somewhere else. So they're not disrupting other staffs yet, but, I don't think so. I think they should have been forced to kind of scramble on an interim basis or be fo- have been forced to hire from the outside, not be able to kind of mess with other teams as close to spring training. But the fine, I understand that was the limit of the MLB Constitution, but right. a $5 million fine is nothing. I mean, I, I saw a really good extreme example on Twitter. Somebody said they should have been forced to give back their uh, share of the proceeds from the winning the world series which you know was a ton of money obviously and how you would have estimated that who knows but i think you were getting at rick was should the players have been punished too and i I get what the commissioner did and i I could see where he both a needed to get the cooperation from the players because this had to come from above this probably was not a player driven thing so he had to get somebody to talk and b i could kind of see where how do you punish the players and where do you draw that line i mean you know, let's let's go right here. Charlie Morton was a pitcher on the 2017 Houston Astros. In theory, he didn't benefit from the sign stealing as we know it because that was to help their hitters. But he did benefit because of the games he won, and you know that put him in a position to get this contract he got from the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, do you penalize him? And if you do, are you penalizing him? But now you're penalizing the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, Jake Marisnik just went to the Mets, ironically, another team involved in this circumstantially because of Beltran. But, you know, do you penalize guys who were on the 17 Astros and did benefit from it, but now they're playing somewhere else? So I, I don't know how you would do that. And you only penalize the guys on the Astros. But 
I will say this, that uh, Alex Bregman did some interviews over the weekend. I don't know if you saw the clip. Ooh. They had kind of their version of FanFest. And he did not help himself or no. the Astros for anybody feeling, oh, the poor players, you know, they got caught up in this too. I mean, his refusal to accept any blame, to apologize at all, this smugness that they had. I mean, you go through Twitter now, look at Mark, what Marcus Stroman posted. Look at what Chris Archer posted. Look at what Mike Clevenger from the Indians, he posted a couple of days ago. There are a lot of pitchers around the game who are just ticked off and, and actually almost incensed by how the Astro players have handled this. Well, and that's the thing, Mark. I mean, there are players damaging players. I mean, look, if I go to arbitration and I'm a pitcher and my ERA is jacked up because I got racked twice or three times against the Houston Astros for seven runs, all of a sudden I'm saying, wait a minute, these guys have actually cost me money. For that matter, how deep did the Major League Baseball really investigate this? In other words, we know about the clanging, you know, the banging of the garbage cans or maybe the whistling or whatever, um, you know, sort of audible uh relation you know relating signals or signs they could do but what if jose altuve had a buzzer in his jersey when he crossed home plate and and refused to have it taken off and then ran into the dugout and came back out in his t-shirt i mean what if there is a is there a next level of cheating even within the cheating yeah and you know i i think it's very plausible and there certainly has been enough circumstantial evidence to make you think that could have been the case now the commissioner's office was asked in response to uh, some follow-up allegations that people made that mm-hmm. and said that there was no evidence during their investigation of any wearable technology that was you know, helping the players. But that also sounded like it was worded in a way to kind of cover their own tracks as if, well, right. we didn't find out about it, but maybe they didn't mm-hmm. look that hard for it. I mean, most of their investigation, what we know, was done based on text messages and emails. They basically followed a paper trail of right. people in the organization that were, you know, probably for lack of a better word, dumb enough to text an email about what they were doing wrong. And obviously mm-hmm. some players rolled over on this. But, you know, there, you know, you go back to the Altuve thing, not wanting his jersey to be pulled off when he hit the walk-off homer. There was an at-bat in the World Series where Robinson Chirinos, like, check swung on a pitch took off his batting glove and something fell out. It looked like a Band-Aid or something. And he picked it up and shoved it in his back pocket like it was a $100 bill. I mean, <laughs> you know, why was he so concerned about picking up that Band-Aid that, you know, would you leave it on the dirt or kick it out of the way? So there certainly is some conspiracy as to what else they may have been doing. And, you know, will it take another Mike Fires to come out and, and say, here's what they were doing wrong? And, you know, it's really kind of a really crazy time for baseball. I mean, I don't know how much stock to put in this. Jack McDowell came out the other day and said the White Sox cheated in the late 80s, early 90s, and Tony La Russa was to blame for it. And, you know, you're going to start hearing some, you know, shots across the bow here on a lot of teams from a lot of players. I and mean, I mean, this is getting crazy. Scott Brocious's son posts on social media the other day that Mike Trout has an HGH uh, exemption and takes it from baseball. MLB actually put out a statement saying it wasn't true. I mean, what, you know, where is this going? Where does this end? How, how crazy does this season become? And, you know, do you start seeing players, you know, take out their uh, revenge on players? The first time, you know, a Houston batter gets hit, are we all going to wonder, was he hit on purpose or was did a ball just get away from that pitcher, you know, in, in speaking for the good of the game kind of way? You wondered too, uh, Mark, just you know what sort of the the impact will be on these players. We talked about the Hall of Fame and Jose Altuve, 
Um, you know, I mean, here's what surprises me a little bit. There is a code, right? I mean, I suppose if you played for the Astros, whether you wanted the damn signs relayed to you or not, you were aware that they were doing it. Um, so as long as you were on the Astros, and maybe when you went to another team, if you're Charlie Morton, does Charlie Morton make the Rays aware of the fact that the Astros are doing this? I don't know. That's that's really a good question, and that's really part of the code. And you know, you know, Jessica, Jessica Mendoza uh, you know, put herself out there mm-hmm. the other day in her comments to ESPN, basically like slamming Mike Fires for coming out and doing this. Yeah, and it was a you know a big side issue because. She works for the Mets, but she was said she was speaking as an ESPN commentator. At least that's what her bosses told her to say at the end of the day, and mm-hmm. that created a whole new stir. But I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm pro pro truth here, pro very liberal view on this. But yeah, Mike Fires did nothing wrong. I mean, he felt like no. he was there was something wrong. He wanted to come out. Now points have been made. Why didn't he come out and say this in seventeen while they were winning? Why didn't he come out and say this before sure. he took his check? winning the world series and his nice playoff share of three hundred thousand dollars and his mm-hmm. ring and you know why did he wait till now when he was on the oakland a's who just lost out in the division to the houston astros you know it, there you could you know kind of parse this however you want as to whether he picked the right time or the wrong time to do it but at least he came out and spoke about it if he hadn't would this have ever come out i mean there'd been rumors there'd been speculation a lot of people thought houston was up to something and, and also with their pitching there have been questions why have some of their pitchers gotten so much better when they've gotten there no one's right. got to the bottom of that yet i don't know what the code mm-hmm. rules are i don't know if every player who has been on the astros you know should have made their new teammates aware of this or do you is it one of those what you know you see here stays here kind of things you see that sign in a lot of locker rooms uh, do people live with that even though now they're competing against them and they know they're cheating? You know, technology has changed baseball in ways that they didn't expect, right? We've seen these super slow-mo and, um, you know, if a guy's shoelace comes off the bag on a bang-bang play now and he overslides by, you know, a sixteenth of an inch, he's called out. That would have never happened in the past. But technology has also enabled them to to cheat with the with the sign-stealing could technology also get them out of this? And, and what I mean by that is, is there a way, and I don't know how it would work uh, with that proximity to the hitter, but is there a way where those signals could be relayed in a different manner to where um, they can't be intercepted? Like, I mean, in football, obviously, you have the helmet communicator, but that's that's just you know into one player into the huddle. Yeah, I mean, I've seen literally a couple things floated by people on this idea in the last couple weeks, and you know, they all sound interesting, and then I think we could, mm-hmm. in the course of this conversation, find flaws in all of them. One is sure. uh, similar to a football setup where the, the pitching coach and the pitcher, mm-hmm. you know, have a little mm-hmm. speaker and microphone and, you know, built into the cap. You know, not change the integrity mm-hmm. of it, but built into it or an earpiece or something uh, that mm-hmm. does it. I've seen a suggestion that they wear a wristband uh, and, you know, something maybe as small as a Fitbit or whatever, but... You know, sure. and then it, it kind of gives them a little code that only they see. You know, that's how mm-hmm. they get the signal. And even mm-hmm. something that suggested there'd be a little, uh, like, you know, they put that camera sometimes in the mound. They would basically right. put, like, a little miniature screen in the mound so only the pitcher could mm-hmm. see it, and it would give him, like, a color sequence on what pitches to mm-hmm. throw. But, I mean, here's the thing. If you are the Tampa Bay Rays and this is how it's going to be now, and you go into Minute Maid Field in Houston – are you going to think they're not listening in? 
Are you going to think they're not tapped into your bracelet or your little lights, your red light? Well, it's po- stop, yeah, red light no, go, I, green light go, red light stop on the mound. I mean, they're going to be cheating on yeah, that too. As long as there are guys trying to find an edge in baseball, whether it's steroids or, or gaining the the you know knowing what pitch is coming, they're going to try to do it. It's just that technology hasn't been uh, the avenue that we've known of until until now. So. Um, there's been many, many scandals in baseball. Mark, where does this one sort of fall on the spectrum for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of put itself pretty close to the top. I mean, the White Sox mm-hmm. scandal has always been the one that's, that's kind of been, you know, not, not yeah. this is the way to put it, but the gold standard, the one at the top that's the worst scandal ever in baseball. We've obviously sure. seen some betting things. Pete, Pete Rose comes to mind here, but uh, mm-hmm. the, the amount of, you know, teams – that have been impacted by this, the fact that the Astros won a championship. And I don't think we know yet what's going to happen with the Red Sox. If the Red Sox are found to be mm. as guilty or even more so possibly than the Astros were, depending on what Alex Cora rigged up when he was in Boston. I mean, mm-hmm. if this turns out to be two world championship teams are caught red-handed winning by, you know, using illegal methods to help them win a championship, then I think it definitely becomes the top. The fact that, you know, three managers and a GM have been fired. The fact that, you know, the topic, I mean, the joke's always been the first week of spring training. Every story's about every player saying I'm in the best shape of my life. That ain't going to be the story of the first week of spring training this year. I can tell you that right now. It's going to be asking every player who used to play for Houston, what do you know and when did you know it? Asking every player, what do you think about what Mike Fires did? And asking every player, what do you think, you know, when you face the Astros, what's going to be going through your mind right now? So that's going to take over as the main topic. And this, this isn't going anywhere. And. I understand why baseball wanted to get it out in January, thinking it would blow over by spring training, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think the Astros are, are in for some interesting receptions, both from opposing pitchers and, and other teams. And I'll tell you, they better get off to about a 20-5 20, 20 start, Mark, uh, and especially um, you know get it done at home as well as on the road because um, this is they're going to be highly scrutinized, as could the Red Sox possibly be. Um, as well. You know, finally on this whole subject, I go back to Game 5, right, of the Divisional AL Divisional Playoff Series, and we know that Tyler Glass now must have been tipping his pitches, or maybe it was both, right? Is there a possibility? Mean, is there any – Do the, what is the raise? What would you suspect their reaction will be um, to having been eliminated by the Astros in the playoffs? Well, having talked to the Rays about this a couple times, you know, before the Astros' judgment came out, but after some of the mm-hmm. speculation came out, and mm-hmm. I, I think their sense is that you know they they did not feel there was anything you know going on as far as uh, the sign stealing, so to speak. Yeah. They feel this was a flaw in Tyler Glass now delivery that it was corrected, obviously because it didn't happen again as the game went on. He didn't have that problem right. in later innings. The commissioner's office, that statement did say they did not find any evidence of anything going on in the 2019 postseason. However, comma, but how could you not (laughs) think something was fishy? I mean, I mean, I I know the fact that it was only one inning and it was the first inning. It's not like did they think, okay, we got four nothing. Turn the turn the monitor off. We're good. We're good. (laughs) They're not going to score four runs on us. We're good. We got this in the bag. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Astros would be that brazen. But then again, watching Alex Brinkman this weekend, maybe they were. Maybe they decided Uh, four runs was good enough and go go trash the monitor quick. Get rid of it before anybody sees it and. You, know, here, you mentioned technology, too, Rick. Like, let's say MLB said, all right, we're getting rid of the monitors. No more video room. No more monitors in the clubhouse. You can watch the game on TV is all you're allowed. Instant replay has to be made, you know, on the spot. You can only look up at the video board. Mm-hmm. That's it. But 
I mean, you can watch TV on your Apple Watch. You can watch it on mm-hmm. your phone. You can probably watch it in a screen they put inside your sunglasses. I mean, they're going to have to mm-hmm. really stay ahead of this if they think they're really going to eliminate it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you eliminate it or you open it up to everybody or how you do it, but it, it's not going away. Well, and, and you know, as you know, Mark, I mean, players now, and I, I wish that this was available 100 years ago when I played, but players now will go from at-bat to at-bat straight into the clubhouse and watch their previous at-bat, see how a pitcher worked them, um, you know, uh, the location of the pitches, and they, they use pretty much – replay during the game, um, you know, between at-bats. Right. It's basically an in-game scouting tool. I mean, I, you know, I know the Rays, mm-hmm. that not, there was no reason you couldn't. The Rays did that a lot. You'd often hear Kevin Cash say, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't looked at the pitch yet, or we looked at it, or it went down between yeah. games, or he was down between innings with Kyle looking at his first couple innings. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. part of how they and many other teams, if not all other teams, do things. But, you know, again, if you're the commissioner of baseball and, and that led to – what happened in Houston, do you just say, get yeah. the monitors out of the clubhouse? I don't want the monitors anywhere where they can see it. All they can do is watch the game on TV like a fan at home. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, he's Mark Topkin. You can uh, see if how close his ballot is to the number of Hall of Famers who actually get in tonight at 6 p.m. And, of course, read him on TampaBay.com and Tampa Bay Times. Good to have you back, Mark. It seems like you just left us for a couple of weeks <laughs> off, man. I hope you're recharged. That wasn't a big, long recharging period. No, no, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll be all right. We'll get down to Port Charlotte here in a couple of weeks and uh, there you go. See what what unfolds here with all these new faces and uh, learn a little bit more about uh, Yoshi Tutsugo and some of the Japanese customs he's going to bring. So it'll be a plenty of interesting spring training, no doubt about it. It'll be a great one. We'll certainly follow you. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. All right, man, anytime. Always great to catch up with Mark Topkin. Tell you, one of the best baseball writers in the nation, and uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame and probably will be one day. Who knows? All right, so we've got uh, some exciting stuff this week. Hey, folks, uh, the mailbag segment has been really great. Your questions have been outstanding, and we enjoy answering them. So here's what you do. We're going to have a mailbag tomorrow. Uh, submit your questions if you want to on Twitter to us at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So we'll have the mailbag, uh, of course, uh, tomorrow. And um, and who knows? Lots of surprises for you the rest of the week. We'll, I'll be headed over to the Pro Bowl, I believe, on Wednesday. Maybe I have a chance to sit down and talk a little bit with Jack Barrett. Here's a guy that um, came here on a one-year make-it contract, and, boy, he made it big. Led the NFL with 19.5 sacks and won the sack title. Waiting now for his big payday, but he finishes the year at the Pro Bowl, someplace that I'm sure was on his list of goals. But, uh, boy, what a, what a season for Shaq Barrett. So lots to talk about this week. We appreciate you listening every Monday through Friday. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.